Hello. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Hello, chaps. <laughs> Welcome back to a bloody good time. We will, we hope it is. <laughs> Welcome to Literary Laughing. I'm Lara. And I'm Amy. And this is episode... I don't know. I thought it was episode six when it was episode five, so we know that I can't count. Episode six, we've already recorded two, so this would be episode... Well, we just... Um, so we... One person edits, so if I'm not editing that week, I always listen to the other episode. I'm thanks. not just a narcissist, but... <laughs> so I was I laughing because it's like... <laughs> <laughs> not that big of a narcissist, but I was listening to it and it was like episode five. Welcome to episode six. I was like, well, there you go. I can't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's okay. Maybe episode eight? I think Maybe. it's episode nine. We're we're on episode wherever we are right now because we're practicing mindfulness and being in the moment yes be with us too Mm -hmm. but know that when you are with us that comes with cussing talking about sex talking about some touchier subjects that you may or may not want to hear so just be warned before you Mm -hmm. before we proceed before you proceed before anybody proceeds be warned but also realize that you might get some nice moments out of this, like deciding to watch your partner drink and then text somebody about it. I did text Amy this week that I was, I had just edited the episode where we talk, I think one of the books, I think it was my book mm-hmm. where the guy's trying to drink and the girl is just watching his throat getting turned on as he swallows. And so I was creeping my partner out. Yes. And then he watched her drink. So I was creeping my partner out because I was just watching his throat while he was drinking, trying to understand. And he got really self-conscious and started (laughs) covering his throat while drinking because I was being very obvious about it because he's my partner and why can't I watch him drink? And he probably plainly asked you about it. Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait, wait, let's, let's go back to that part of the book then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that way you have a foreshadowing of my, I went for the heavy beer tonight of a 9.3. So that's. Oh, Amy needs some Alki for her reading tonight. Yeah. It's fine usually. Yeah. Or we're about to get into some heavy stuff. Uh, I, I'm trying to be lighter. I've accidentally fallen into some of the heavier conversations. Yeah. In my last couple of books. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, really quick, the format of our show, before we forget to talk about it, which we have a couple of times, <laughs> Amy and I each choose a book, a random book that the mm-hmm. other one doesn't know about, and then... Uh, we read different passages from the book that we've chosen ahead of time and see if we can make the other one laugh or react by just the ridiculousness of pulling a reading 
randomly out of a book. And then they, the other person chooses a page number and we read to them from that page. And then we read the last page. Yeah. And we, before that, in the midst of that, we talk about the author, if there's something interesting to say, because we want to give the author credit and a shout out. Um, and we also try not to say, um, too much and, or like too much (sighs) from editing. We've learned a lot about our speaking habits. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll also talk about the back of the book and the front of the book, because so many of these artists give so much to these covers that we just want to show them some love as well. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to describe it to one another using our descriptive words. I just tore my book a little bit (laughs) while trying to peel off a sticker. Okay. And and the other fun part about this is these books that we read usually come from resales unless it's a theme. And then we kind of give ourselves a little bit more lax there. Um, Laura texted me that she found a book at her doctor's office this week and she was very excited about it. She's not doing it this week, just a spoiler, but on another week, she'll have this special doctor novel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not about doctors. It's kind of funny because I walked into the waiting room and I forgot that my doctor has one of those free little libraries in her waiting room. And so I saw it. I thought, well, I'll just check it out because I forgot to bring a book with me. Uh And I literally opened it up and gasped and said, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) one of the smutty books with a smutty cover on it out and was like, this is perfect out loud. And then looked over and made weird, awkward eye contact with the old man sitting there. But don't worry, I sat down and started trying to pick a passage almost immediately, and I found a really good one, so I was laughing to myself, too. So I don't know what he thought. I'll never know. would be even more awkward is if you took that smutty book to the gym, and then you got on the one of the birthing weight machines, the ones where you, like, put your legs up, <laughs> like, you're going outwards as you're reading your smut novel, like, the bros are walking past, and then you're squeezing your legs together. My glutes. Yes. yes. Well, I will choose that book probably after our Christmas episodes um, because it is not a Christmas book but it is one of the um, those um, elusive dukes that just run around there's so many dukes in this world but there are so so few in the books so (laughs) so few in the books (laughs) I know it's so sad the dukes yes Anyways, it'd be really fun one day if we make it, we make friends with a Duke and we make the Duke read a book about like a love lost Duke. Are there still Dukes? There has to be Dukes. I think there are Dukes. It's just that the titles aren't as big of a deal as they used to be. Maybe. Your grace. Your grace. Your grace. (laughs) And they're like, I don't care about titles anymore. Wow. Okay. So. Laura, are you going first this week? Yeah, I think I go first this week. Mm -hmm. So I'll read while Amy listens. So I have to move my huge stack of books from our previous weeks over to the side here. (laughs) 
If anybody's staying in my guest room, they're going to find a huge stack of smutty novels and it's going to look like I just sit up here by myself and read them, which I kind of do, but Amy's there too, virtually. (laughs) It's almost like some weird sex line. (laughs) I just read dirty novels to somebody. Hold on. I, I think that really is a business somewhere where somebody's like, this is my job. I go and I read dirty novels to somebody on the internet and that is their fetish. It has to be a job. Okay. Let me begin my reading. Mm-hmm. Possibly you may be feeling a little uneasy at having this brochure in your possession. The English still regard marriage in rather a sentimental light and forget that in most continental countries, it is rightly considered as a contract of such importance that it is carefully arranged, not left to chance. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to feel ashamed because you want to marry the right person. Indeed, you should congratulate yourself on your good sense in trying to make sure that you have every opportunity of meeting and getting to know the type of person whom you would like to marry. You would consider yourself unwise and imprudent if you did not make provision for other aspects of your life. How much more important is this question of making the right match? The Marriage Bureau will put you in touch only with people who fulfill the qualifications you demand. Afterwards, it is entirely for you to decide whether you want to marry. For needless to say, mutual attraction and affection cannot be guaranteed. We cannot play the part of Cupid. We can only introduce you to people who have already expressed a wish to marry somebody like yourself. Two sensible people who know what they want are introduced to each other. If they are not attracted, if friendship does not ripen into love, as the saying goes, no harm is done and it is our business to try again on behalf of both our clients until they are satisfied. Mm. Insane. Insane. Click, click. First impressions, tell me. That sounds like so many online dating sites. I don't, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's just online dating sites. Okay, now I'll read the back of the book. Yes. In the spring of 1939, with the Second World War looming, two determined 24-year-olds, Heather Jenner and Mary Oliver, decided to open a marriage bureau. They found a tiny office on London's Bond Street and set about the delicate business of matchmaking. Drawing on the Bureau's extensive archives, Penrose Halson, who many years later found herself the proprietor of the Bureau, tells their story and those of their clients. From shop girls to debutantes, debutantes? Debutantes, yeah. Debutantes. Widowers to war veterans, clients came in search of security, social acceptance, or simply love. And thanks to the meticulous organization and astute intuition of the Bureau's matchmakers, most found what they were looking for. Penrose Halson draws from newspaper and magazine articles, advertisements, registration forms, film, record cards, ledgers, photographs, letters, and books by the proprietors themselves to bring the romance and heartbreak of matchmaking during wartime to vivid, often hilarious life in this unforgettable story of a most unusual business. Aww, that's cute. So this book is called The Marriage Bureau. Uh-huh. I actually got this book 
at the resale shop to read myself and I'm in the midst of reading it and I start oh. giggling because I'm like, how funny would this passage be? Out of, context. out of context. Yeah. Because it's just, some of the stuff they run into is so wild. So yeah. it's by Penrose Halson mm -hmm. and the front kind of just a normal paved sidewalk with a man's legs and a woman's legs. And they're obviously talking to each other. So not too exciting, not too scandalous. I mean, but her foot's up and his foot's back. So they're like casual. It's like that casual flirty foot stance. Yeah. From the there is a casual flirty foot stance. 30s. From the 30s. Yeah. So. They're six feet apart. So that's great. The author's really interesting. So she was a teacher. Uh-huh. And then she was a writer. Mm-hmm for doing like she did academic material and then her parents afraid that she was on the shelf at the age of 24 which is just like elderly um signed her up for a marriage bureau to be matched with somebody uh-huh she matched with this guy they got married Mm -hmm. And then years later, they buy that marriage bureau, and then they end up buying the marriage bureau that this book's about. Wow. So they're, like, match-making people. And she's like, you know what? Let me write a book about all these people that I now know about. Yeah, basically. But apparently, they're friends with a bunch of their clients still and still hang out with them and stuff. That's cool, though. Yeah. It's a lot more personal than yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. They would interview these um, prospective clients, and they had to pay a fee to be a part of their registry, and then they had to pay a fee after they got married. And so they would just match them up with candidates as they came in. And they said, especially as the Second World War started, all these people started wanting to get married because they were going to go off to war and they wanted somebody to wait for them or they didn't want to be alone mm -hmm. or they wanted to leave yeah. someone behind. And it's, yeah. I mean, I was just listening to the last bookshop in London and it was really funny because there was a moment in there and she met a man right before he went off to war. And the guy she was working in the bookshop with just looks at her and goes, be smart and just don't run off and marry him <laughs> because so many people at the time were just running off and doing that. Yeah. And yeah. Yes. I love this era of books. It's funny because the two women that started this, mm -hmm. both of them didn't want to get married. So they were trying to just figure out, some business scheme to keep from having to get married. And this is what they came up with. And it was really touchy to do because the first, they went to a lawyer to talk about how to set it up and how to keep it legal and everything. And he chased them out of his office because he thought they were setting up a sex worker place, basically. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Then the second lawyer they went to really got the vision and he ended up being their lawyer for the rest of the business. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, was, it must have been really touchy. 
Yeah. Like, well, there were always matchmakers. Mm-hmm. Matchmakers have always right. been a thing. But it was more of a, of a thing where it was a person. It wasn't a business, and they didn't keep all these records that you knew about or interview you or you know, yeah. any of that. I don't know. In Mulan, it looks like that was a pretty tough interview. A lecture and how do you pour the tea? Yes. Pouring tea is very important in a lot of cultures. It is. Not in America. America, it's always about coffee. That coffee smell that just entices everybody with our sinful hair. Our sinful hair. Sinful hair. I'm now just trying to feed, like, fill all the time as you pick out your next passage. I'm trying to decide between two because they're both good, but it's okay. I'll just choose one. I'm going to read now. Mrs. Pratt Evans and the Sheik exchanged several letters before he invited her to luncheon, sending her directions. After days of indecision, she settled on a simple floral frock, perhaps a trifle girlish, but it suited her delightsome mood of excited optimism. She applied her makeup with exceptional care, coaxed her slightly thinning hair into a becoming bob, topped by a delicious little veiled hat, and drove off humming happily in near ecstatic anticipation. Mm. That's sweet. Expecting a chic to reside... In a grand mansion with sensational views, Mrs. Pratt Evans was disturbed to find herself following ever narrower, overgrown roads before arriving in a bleak valley. She stumbled up a rutted path between neglected flower beds, avoiding two chained dogs that growled menacingly as she knocked on the door of a small down-at-heel cottage. Wait, stop. At some point, if you are coming along this line, you should just turn around. Yeah. Because this does not seem like in most situations it ends well. No. No. And, I mean, who knows if they have hitchhikers there? <laughs> I mean, at some point, though, well, this might be where I get murdered. Yes. I exactly. don't have to be here. Not many people know that I am here. There are no cell phones. There's no cell phones that you can just share ongoing status of where you are with somebody else. Exactly. Mm. I concur. (laughs) All right. I shall continue. Okay. She perked up at the appearance of an elderly retainer, though he was dressed in flowing white robes and, and looked her up and down with an inscrutable yet somehow critical eye. He addressed her in fierce tones in a language that might have been Welsh or Arabic. Flummoxed, Mrs. Pratt Evans nodded and smiled nervously, clutching her handbag in both hands and extending one foot over the threshold. No, shouted the retainer in recognizable English, gesticulating wildly towards the side of the building from where the sheik suddenly materialized as if Aladdin had rubbed his lamp. I like that they throw in that little. Mm-hmm. This is oh, the thing well. about Arabia we know. <laughs> could be Arabic or Welsh. You, know, you never know. No, you don't know. You don't know. Encouraged by Mary and Heather's glowing description of the sheik's style and suavity, 
Mrs. Pratt Evans had pictured an elegant, mature man, perhaps wearing sharply creased cream flannels with a silk shirt and cravat, who at the first sight of her would fall into stunned silence, worshipful disbelief. He would be enraptured by such a vision of delight, so miraculous a blessing, a dream of surpassing elegance, his ideal bride. Okay, I'm sorry. Every girl that's going to date right now, no man is going to look at her, look at you. I go, oh, that is it. <laughs> that is it. The most amazing. No, not many men will do that. Nope. I mean, maybe they will have that moment. But let's be honest. When you go on a first date, there's not many moments where you look at that guy and go, oh, that is it. Most of the time, you're just happy to be like, well, I didn't get catfished this time, and that is what they look like. Well, they seem normal. <laughs> well, let's see how this one goes. <laughs> Beer me up, Scotty. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. It's okay. I'll keep reading. <laughs> but advancing toward her was a scruffy man dressed in a grubby nightgown, carrying a tin bucket in his hand, his shoulders hunched to support a large bird whose glittering eyes regarded her with such malevolence that she recoiled as from the devil incarnate. Parts of the infernal creature's body showed pink where its feathers were molting, and from its beak there dangled the remains of a baby chick. Its dear, golden, fluffy little body streaked with gore and falcon dribble, for the hideous carnivore was indeed a falcon, such as had recently terrified Mrs. Pratt Evans during a visit to the zoo. She paled and stepped backward, and when the bird uttered a great screech, letting fly the pathetic remains of its feast, unfolded its disintegrating wings, and launched itself from its human perch toward her, she fell to the ground in a faint. As she revived, Mrs. Pratt Evans felt hands around her waist and chest, pulling her up, glancing down at her frock, spattered with unspeakable remnants of baby chicks. She wrenched herself free, fled to her car, abandoning her hat, which had flown off, gripping the steering wheel and hands trembling with shock, horror, and disgust. She ground the gears and roared away, watched impassively by the sheik, his retainer, and glassy-eyed bird. I want to pause here and mention how differently this story would have gone were it one of our romance novels. I know. <laughs> it's this real-life encounter of this poor woman who's been led to believe she's married or has been matched with this wealthy man. Yeah. And she's wealthy herself. Uh-huh. So she's probably just horrified out of her mind. Well, he's like the guy that's like, well, I have this money, but this is what I want to do with my day. So, up it. Exactly. I'm trying to nurse this falcon back to health, that health and, uh, sorry. <laughs> they fall madly in love and have 10 wonderful <laughs> babies. Let me continue here. <laughs> Two days later, Mrs. Pratt Evans stopped into the bureau. Why, Mrs. Pratt Evans, Mary sang out. Did you have a delicious luncheon with the sheik? I had no luncheon, Mrs. Pratt Evans spat the words out. But luncheon was indeed had. <laughs> Mary looked puzzled. 
Luncheon was partaken of not by me, nor even by the sheik, as you call him, though I call him a complete charlatan. Luncheon was partaken of by a foul, no doubt, pestiferous, disgusting, diabolical, repellent, mouldering, cruel-eyed, savage, utterly ghastly bird, a bird of prey, to be precise, or rather the devil in avian form. The property of his hellish, filthy, accursed, benight-gowned, utterly monstrous master, the sheik of Araby, or Lenduno, wherever he is from. Mrs. Pratt Evans paused in her tirade, searching for more adjectives to hurl at the bird and its owner. Stunned by her client's eminence and still at a loss as to its cause, Mary persisted. But did the sheik not give you luncheon? <laughs> now hysterical, Mrs. Pratt Evans poured out the entire saga. Mary was shocked and at first disbelieving, but the woman was so emphatic and precise in her descriptions from the sheik's dirty nighty to the bloodstains on her frock that eventually Mary came to believe her. At last, Mrs. Pratt Evans departed, leaving a depressed and deflated Mary to recount the hair-raising drama to her fellow matchmaker. Heather was normally much more cavalier and contained than her feelingful friend, but the more she heard of the sheik, the more concerned she became for the reputation of the bureau. She wrote an appeasing letter to Mrs. Pratt Evans, explaining that the police had cleared the sheet and that she was very obliged to her valued client for bringing the matter to her attention and would waive any aftermarriage fee that became due. Mary and Heather decided to erase the sheik from their books, so they were appalled when he appeared without warning at the bureau. He looked as immaculate as on his previous appearance, sat down without a buyer leave, frowned ferociously, and lit a cigarette. Then the veins in his neck bulging, the lilt in his voice submerged in an aggressive growl, he let off a furious folly. She is a fearful, ghastly female. She is unfashionably dressed by D.H. Evans of your so frightful Oxford Street, a common department store, I'm sure, or perhaps Marshall and Snellgrove, which is a little superior, but not good enough. Before I even met her, she bored me to death with letters recounting innumerable dull anecdotes of life on a ranch in Uruguay and servant problems and bulls and her dogs and her dead husband. And she insisted that she loves all God's creatures as she kept calling them. So I decided to invite her to my raptor's luncheon. And if she truly adored him, I would then take her to luncheon at my house, which is very beautiful and not where I keep my birds. But I took an instant, feminine dislike to her and she to my bird. And what is worse? His voice rose to a higher note, his upper lip curling insolently as he blew a scornful cloud of smoke. She has only one breast. <laughs> oh my gosh. You set her up. <laughs> What an awful person. He is such a guy. I, 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 I don't know if it's, it's slightly awful. I think he was more of like, you've really annoyed me. I can't get out of this. Let me put mm. you in this situation to see how you actually respond. Yeah. Oh, full of shit. Yeah, when he could have okay. just said, sorry, we don't seem to suit through our letters. No. It kind of reminds me of like, like one of, it does, it is like one of my guy friends 
and they'll tell me stories, different guy friends, tell me stories about online dating. And then you hear them be like, well, I told her she doesn't really look like their profile photos anymore because they've gained weight or something like that. And you're just like, oh, that poor girl. That's terrible. But that's... It's hard when you put up the best photos of yourself and you're like, this is me. But, but my it's best me from five years ago. Self, but I don't look like that anymore, maybe. I don't look like that really anymore because that was when I was in doing a half marathon. And now I don't run outside anymore because it's too hot. This isn't personal experience or anything. Okay, I was wondering if you were talking about me at first. No. Because I'm about to do a half marathon. And I, I've been running I've outside and it's been very hot. <laughs> I just finished a run. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. When is your half? December 5th. Nice. Okay, listeners, let's all go run half marathons now. Because that's so easy to do. The best way to do a half marathon is you can choose a book, a smutty book, and you download it. And during the half marathon, you're just listening basically to a good um, fourth of it, to half of it, depending on what pace you decide to do, because it's your run, it's your pace. That's true. I am running with a running partner, though. I could have listened to a book. But, you know, that moment where they go, and then they were just gasping for air, and you're like, oh, like me! <laughs> Same feeling, different context. <laughs> my lungs are burning, too. My mouth is so dry. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I need fluids. That kind. <laughs> I think that he played that well. I don't really hate him. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Just yeah. the way he decided to test her when it would have, if he knew they didn't suit, wouldn't it just have been easier? I guess he was just checking since this was the only person that they actually had matched him with. Yeah. And you never know. Yeah. So... I mean, sometimes you do know right away. That's true. Mm -hmm. It's true. Okay. Page numbers. There are 310. Okay. That don't include all of the, the footnotes. Okay. Wow. Um, 265. That was quick. 265. I don't know. Could be my druid blood, finding a good spot. Good part. Okay. All right. I will begin. Okay. 
Miss Burton had canceled her membership in the bureau when she took up with a smooth talker who came into her tobacconist's shop in search of cigarettes. Mr. Smooth was addicted to smoking, but earned little from his intermittent job as a cosmetic salesman, and with cigarettes in very short supply, he sometimes had to resort to the black market. He had immediately sensed Miss Burton's loneliness and put himself out to be so irresistibly agreeable that she, unaccustomed to male admiration, sold him a packet she kept under the counter for a favorite customer. Emboldened by this stroke of luck, Mr. Smooth had ratcheted up the compliments, flattering Miss Burton so fulsomely that one thing rapidly led to another, and shortly to him moving into her small flat above the shop. My goodness. All for a pack of cigarettes. I mean... That's why they say don't start smoking. He's Mr. Smooth, though. (laughs) Sooner call him Mr. Wickham. My goodness. Convinced he had fallen on his feet with no rent to pay and an unfailing supply of his favorite player's cigarettes to hand, Mr. Smooth grew careless, helping himself to too many packets for Miss Burton's secreted hoard. She soon found him out, wrathfully brushed his compliments and pleadings aside, kicked him out, licked her wounds, and devoted herself to her shop until one gloomy rainy day she thought again of the bureau. So basically the sex wasn't good enough. Not for all those free cigarettes. Yeah, especially if it was wartime. Oh my gosh. Okay, let me continue. Heather <laughs> calculated that as Mary had judged Miss Burton to be nearly 50, she must now not be far off 60. She still wanted the same solid type, a man with no encumbrances, such as children or dependent parents, and enough money for a home. However, since her unfortunate experience with Mr. Smooth and some other dishonest customers, she had grown disenchanted with running her own tobacconists and resolved to leave town and live in the country. As a competent businesswoman, she visualized herself helping her husband in some small enterprise. Having originally said a categorical no to any pet, she now fondly imagined the pleasure of owning a dog, cat, or other animal. Oh, sweet. It's only a pity, reflected Heather, that Miss Burton is no more attracted is no more attractive a proposition than when she was younger. She still smokes like a chimney, which makes her skin so leathery. Apologies, dear bottle, but you seem to be lucky all your smoking doesn't seem to affect your complexion. Pure luck, smiled bottle. I think that's one of the secretaries, who mm-hmm. knew very well that Heather abhorred her smoking but tolerated it. What about Sidney Headley for Miss Burton? He's embarrassed about still being a bachelor, so he says he's 50, but I'm sure he's older. You can't tell properly because you can't see much of his face except his eyes. He's got such thick hair and great bristly sideboards, too, as well as a scrubby beard and a rather moth-eaten mustache. Hair everywhere, even sprouting from his ears, and he snuffles. I felt as if I was interviewing an oversized hedgehog blowing his nose on a rather smelly handkerchief. It smelled of petrol. Yes, that's the end of that. Lovely. Yes. It's funny because they came up with this classifying system for their clients. Mm -hmm. And this guy, they just classified into better than some. (laughs) It seems so mean, but I guess they have to be realistic for matching people. Otherwise, people are going to be 
dissatisfied. Yeah. And it is the way it is. Yeah. But I would hate to be just classified as better than some. Better than some. You know, the best. Better than most. I'm the best. Suckers. Because that's what you're supposed to say. Exactly. You'll regret it when we're over, is what you're supposed to say. Just like that, too. Shall I read the last page? Yes, please. <laughs> Let me start. Okay. Margaret dined out on her horror honeymoon. Gail horror, not whore. Horror honeymoon. Gaily blaming it all on Heather, just in case you were confused about what kind of a honeymoon she was having. Yeah. Now she was back in England waiting for Patrick to join her. The couple had been invited to the party, but the invitation had not reached them, so she'd simply taken a chance on turning up at the bureau. What a coincidence, Heather rejoiced. You couldn't have picked a better moment. Lucky for me, rejoined Margaret. Another lucky day, like the one when I came here in 1945 and was introduced to Patrick. You really did start something, Heather, all those years ago. You've made so many people wonderfully happy. Here, here, said Hank. I'm another lucky one. And so am I, came a small but firm voice. Heather, Hank, Alf, and Margaret all turned to look at Dorothy, who returned their gaze as she went on. It's the staff, too. I don't know what on earth would have become of me if I hadn't had the luck to find the bureau. It saved my life, and I love it. Heather's customary coolness was banished. She raised her glass, her voice faltering slightly as she addressed her small audience. The bureau was not my idea. It came from Mary Oliver, my first partner, who was given it by her Uncle George. I've never met Uncle George, but we are all indebted to him. So on this auspicious occasion, I give you a toast. Uncle George, thank you. Uncle George. Oh, that means something must have happened to her partner. Yeah, I guess somewhere in there. I haven't finished the book yet. Oh, that makes me a little bit sad. It is a little bit sad, but I guess if it's, I don't know how much further in the future the ending is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. You can always update us later because our podcast has such a hard outline to it. Yes. Yes have to let you know what happened in this book i know mm-hmm. Don't do it. so many of our books that we choose end up being part of a series and we have no idea and then it just ends on this cliffhanger so this one wrapped up nicely yeah i mean i will say my shifter novel series i'm pretty sure we know how that one ends oh my goodness i still have another one <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie I still have one more, and I'm kind of saving it because it's so delightful. So delightful. Mm. Okay. I'm just going to start with this one part because I feel like it sets up how I feel about this book, and it's the lightest way to set up everything that I kept on opening this book to. Okay. I was trying to find other parts. I just, yeah. Okay. 
You may begin, Amy. Thank you, Lara. <laughs> I mean it, Remy. She's susceptible. You can't pretend to be her boyfriend. Just to bring some stalker out into the open. I know you. You'll decide she can't know because she won't act natural. You can't pretend to care for her. They both scented lavender and leopard at the exact same moment. Remy was already gliding toward the door, more leopard than man in that moment. His leopard went wild, crazy, snarling and raking, desperate to emerge. He couldn't imagine what Saria's cat was like, scenting a female close to her time. I'll go, he managed to bite out the two words. You get out of here. Go to my house in the bayou. Saria was definitely struggling, struggling to control her female. She heard me, Remy. Her voice had gone husky, gravelly, fur running under her skin as her leopard fought to for supremacy. His breath hissed out of his lungs. There was no more doubt. Bijou was definitely leopard, and she was close to the emerging. Every single man in the lair would be driven insane, and Drake, the only voice of reason, was gone. Remy cursed as he padded down the hall on silent feet. Bijou had heard every word. Saria had said, and she would believe it was true. It smacked of being true. There was no doubt he was a man who might do that very thing to bring a dangerous adversary into light. There was every reason for Bijou to believe what Sarah said. Hell, Saria, oh, sorry, what Saria said. Hell, Saria believed it, and she was his sister. Every time I look at that name, I want to say Sarah, but it's Saria, so... Sorry, people. Wait, she's a leopard? Mm -hmm. I'm not done yet. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's please it, continue. I I somehow always pick these big ones, but I don't know how to chop it down. What because they go into such long descriptions. I don't know. He moved swiftly through the halls, following the scent of the elusive female leopard. Bijou would have no idea why her emotions were all, over, were all over the place. She had no idea what was happening to her or what could happen. His lair was fucked up. There was no other word for it. They'd been isolated for so long and had no idea of the way leopard society worked until Drake had shown up. Some had intermarried and produced monsters. Others had married outside the leopard society and weakened the lair as generations failed to produce offspring. It was a complicated situation, even as Drake tried to provide guidance for them. He sent the younger men to the rainforests in hope of finding mates, and that was difficult. Once any of the males got a, got a whiff of a female coming into the Han Van Dan, they would be all over her. Remy's lips drew back in a snarl. No one would be safe. Bijou had to be claimed immediately and thoroughly, so there was no doubt she was taken. Without that, chaos would reign and the males could easily turn on one another. Drake was working magic on the lair, but it was difficult to overcome generations of problems. Remy knew the exact moment Bijou was aware he was pursuing her. Her soft foot pads, her soft, her soft footfalls sped up and almost immediately a draft rushed through the house as she went through the front door and raced toward her car. He used his animal 
the cat already sensing the desirable female running from him. He leapt after her, covering 20 feet in a single jump. His leopard wow. could only reach 35 miles an hour when running. She was fumbling with the car keys, her hands trembling, hurting as her cat rose close to the surface. She tried to unlock the car door when he landed behind her, reached around and took the keys from her hand. Bajou spun around fast, striking out. His leopard saved him from the swift rake of nails. Her female had leapt to Bijou's defense, claws springing out for one moment to keep her human safe from attack. The claws barely missed him, and he glided back a few more steps just to be certain he was out of the danger zone. Bijou clearly had no idea what just happened, or that her eyes were glowing in almost aquamarine blue. Her skin was nearly translucent, her hair wild. He'd never seen a woman so passionate or so alluring. His leopard had already gone insane, reacting to hers and the pheromones she was throwing out, demanding his human claim her immediately, whether she was ready or not. Remy lifted her face to test the wind, worried, oh, sorry, Remy lifted his face to test the wind, worried that it was blowing in the direction of the bayou where so many other males might catch that elusive and potent scent. The need for sex was riding her hard, and if he read the situation correctly, she was on her way into town just for that specific purpose. Wow. <laughs> you, who clearly wasn't a one-night stand kind of woman, had to be scared and confused. Give me my car keys, she hissed at him. Oh, sorry, it's not like that. Give me my car keys, she hissed at him. His blood sang hotly in his veins. His body was on fire, aching in need. He tasted lavender in his mouth, breathed it into his lungs. He watched her closely, unblinking, fo focused, the eyes of the leopard, not the man. Slowly, he shook his head. I don't think so, Blue. You're going into town looking for something you're going to regret tomorrow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's why I couldn't cut it. Yeah, I can see that. It'd have been weird to start in the middle of that reading. She needed sex. She, she needed sex. sex. And he was going to own her thoroughly. Yeah, and then, right, and a couple paragraphs down, it says, leopards were rough at sex, even brutal at times. What? How do they know? I don't know. And Remy's leopard was always close to the surface, his savage nature riding him hard in any situation but far worse when it came to sex. What does that mean? I don't know, but um, I just want you just to guess how many pages this sex scene is. Three? No. <laughs> Your eyes are so no. big right now. <laughs> no. So, he kisses her on page 89 and all of their sexual action stops on page 115. Whoa. Is this like a matchbook size book or a normal? What? Yes. What? Yes. What? Yeah, I was what? like, I opened it up to like the mid of, middle of the sex. I was like, wow, when does this, where does this start? And I just had to keep flipping backwards. And I was like, well, I don't want to read that word. Nope, can't read that word. Well, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm hmm. I feel like this book should be a white elephant gift. 
And then you don't tell people that you brought it. I would say yes, but my white elephant usually involves my nieces when it comes to family white elephant. This, oh, has to be like yeah, this is like a, a friend's white elephant. That you don't know people very well. Yeah, it has to be like this book, a bottle of lube, and some condoms. And a little figurine of a leopard. <laughs> a figurine of a leopard. <laughs> or just a leopard thong. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is an insane sex scene. It's multiple moments there. And like at the very end, wait, I said, she satisfies her. Let me just to read the last paragraph of that sex scene. Go for it. Okay. Mick, Remy looked down at Bijou sprawled across the bed, her skin marred with his finger marks and the teeth of his leopard. He'd marked her, claimed her in the manner of his people a primitive ritual, but it served its purpose of warning off other males and making certain the emerging female leopard accepted the male. Bijou Breu, 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 B-R-E-A-U-X, Bro, 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 Bijou Bro was formerly now and forever his. Because <laughs> it says dot 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 his. Wow. And like, and it's like they had sex and then she decides to give him head and he's doing this to her. And it's just, whoa. Wow. <laughs> wild sex. Yeah. It was wild and rough sex like leopards do. There you go. <laughs> I just thought of that song about the animals. <laughs> Let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> No, no. That's basically what they did. For 20 pages. Mm -hmm. pages. Yeah, a lot more pages. I will tell you that in this. Okay. Read me the back of this book. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. I'm just going to read you the backpack. From a tough stint in the armed forces to stalking the unknown as a Bayou cop, leopard shifter Remy Baudreau, Boudreau, got that one. Remy Boudreau has been served well by his uncanny gifts. And right now, New Orleans could use a homicide detective like Remy. A serial killer is on the loose, snatching victims from the French Quarter with pitiless rage and, and unnatural efficiency. But something else is drawing Remy into the twilight. A beautiful jazz singer bathed night after night in a flood of blood red neon. Sultry, mysterious, and as seductive as her songs, songs, she's luring Remy deeper into the shadows than he ever imagined. And as their passions swell, his keen instinct for survival will be challenged like never before by a killer and by a woman. Whoa. Mm -hmm. This book is called Leopard's Prey. And, and it says underneath in little letters, it says, a leopard novel. <laughs> Just in case you didn't get that from the title. Yeah. Then also at the very bottom, it says, first time in print. <laughs> so I'm guessing it must have been an online novel. Uh, and then now it's in print because it is, yeah, because it's just, it's so good. Um, and so this romance novel 
is different than others. The man is wearing a full shirt. What? In any way, it's a plain black t-shirt. It's a tight black t-shirt. You can see wow. that he's got some muscular arms there. And down beside him is a leopard roaring loudly with it leopard like woman. It could be, or just his leopard. I don't know. And then he's standing in what looks kind of to be like just the heart of New Orleans on Bourbon Street and all of that, like classic New okay. Orleans feel. And this book is by Christine Behan. Let me, oh, the other thing is, it says, nothing can kill a passion this extreme, dot, dot, dot. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's just, like, looking a little shocked. He is. He's just. He looks exhausted. It must be all that sex. <laughs> he has a ton of sex. Like, look at this book. It's pretty thick. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this book, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, but I mean, USA Today calls her the queen of paranormal romance. So this girl is legit. Like mm -hmm. there is, she's a number one New York Times bestselling author. Wow. This book is, I was, she got picked up by Penguin. That's pretty amazing. This book was published by Penguin. So Christine Fian, you go girl. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So Basically, on Wikipedia, it just talks about how she is number one New York Times bestseller, number one Publishers Weekly. Um, she's an American author and goes over her whole list of books. She, as of January 2020, she has published 80 novels. What? 80. And she started how writing in 1999. So this girl, this lady was just wow, busting them out. Um, not only that, and this is, so Time Magazine, okay, this quote I thought was kind of cool. So Time Magazine said, after Bram Stoker, Anne Rice, and Joss, Joss Whedon, who created the venerated Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Christine Fian is the person most credited with popularizing the neck gripper, which I guess is this type of book. USA Today called her the queen of paranormal romance. So she's a big deal. Wow. She's also won the multiple paranormal excellence awards of romance literature called Pearl. So she's gotten that. And then Rita Award for, there's a Rita Award for Romance Writers of America. We oh. need to see who's nominated for this. Maybe we should be looking at those books. Um, but she had... 11 children and has several grand, yeah, 11, 11, 11 children and wrote 80 books. Right. Are any of them half leopard or anything? I don't know, but she has several grandchildren as well as 14 brothers and sisters. Wow. So she is just used to big families. Where does she she live? also has several dogs. Utah. Utah. So I, I mean, this lady just, I guess, hangs out with her family and writes novels. She's just living her best life. Hey, 
but yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It looks like her first book was published in 1999. So yeah. That's amazing. Good for her. I know. It's really cool. I, that, like the part that really stood out to me was the 11 children and 80 novels. Yeah. When do you find time for that? It makes me feel lazy. You are lazy. I'm so lazy. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know what to read next after that. <laughs> How can you follow up that scene with anything? I mean, there, there's plenty of them. I could go off, you know what, I'm going to go off and just, because I don't want to choose, I'm just going to open up randomly. Go for it. Classic, classic Amy style. Yes. Okay. 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 I'm not going to laugh anymore. Just let me drink my beer really quick. Okay. Mm -hmm. This could get intense. As you scratch your neck. Feeling a little... That that, that nervous little tick. (laughs) Okay. She tried to crawl away, a silly, desperate move, trying to flee, to get away from her own body. Most of all, she wanted away from Remy. She didn't want him witnessing what was happening to her. And worse, she didn't want her leopard, if that was what she was, to mate with his. She felt like she was living a nightmare, a horror movie, and there was no way out. Blue, Remy's voice penetrated the roaring in her ears and the sheer terror of her body becoming something else. Look at me. See me. I can get you through this. You're afraid and it's my fault. Instead of having sex with you every time I saw you, I should have been preparing you for this. Please, Shaggy, just let me do this for you. (laughs) Right? Her body twisted, rolled so that she came up on her hands and knees, only they weren't her hands or knees any longer. She turned her head slowly, anger burning through her belly and raging in her heart. She swiped at him. Remy leapt back. It was, only, it was only his leopard's reflexes that saved him from a nasty rake across his face. Wow. Those leopard reflexes have come in handy many times. Uh-huh. He also book. uses them to drive as well. What? Yes. His leopard better not be driving. It's, it's his speed. He just knows it's, I don't know. 35 miles an hour. <laughs> Yes, this looks like great. His lady was really, really angry with him. His lady was really, really angry with him. Yes. There was something in her eyes that alarmed him. She was definitely distancing herself from him, and that was terribly dangerous, especially now. One more roll and a silent scream, and Blue was fully leopard. She came to her feet gingerly, regarding him warily, wild and feral and all female. Before he could move, she whirled around and sprinted toward the swamp. He changed on the, on the run, using more speed than he ever had. 
He wasn't going to lose her, not now, not when he was so close to making her his. I thought he already made her his. I guess because they made it only as humans. Yeah, that they now need to mate as Wow. Yeah. Oh, great. On the next page, look at this one. Every moment, every movement was sinuous and filled with grace. Wow. Sinuous yes. and filled with grace. That's how I move. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so apparently they go back and forth, and then I guess they end up having sex again. Sounds about right. Yeah. For 25 pages. I was about to see how many pages it took them. But I think uh, the thing I will say is it sounds like he's about to like go at her, but um, it seems that he waits for her to be like, I'm ready for this. That's good. That's what you should do. Make sure that both people are ready. Yeah, but it, um, this one doesn't take as long as the other ones. It's only like three pages and only three only three and then only like, and then they're sprawled apart sprawled on the ground tired okay i like that my book is this you know kind of pulled back um very dated way of dating very conservative and yours is just like Rawr! <laughs> I mean, I think it's a little bit old worldly too. It's kind of like I smelled your firm. <laughs> this is, I think, a little bit more old world, old world than yours because it's basically based on smell. Yeah, there we go. It's gone all the way back to animal sex, it's, which it's, is what we is animal wild sex of you are in heat. Let's mate. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Your face right now. Just picturing people being in the heat. You smell so good. But people naturally go into heat. Hmm. I probably to wish you were saying that. You're like, I don't want to. But, you know, like, I, I don't know. Do we talk? Oh. I didn't want to mention oh, names you. of the people who used to watch the soccer people. <laughs> no, but I mean, we were joke. We used to joke about this all the time, and it's like, I must be ovulating because. <laughs> yeah, that's they look extra good. Yeah, because everybody keeps looking at me, so I must be ovulating. <laughs> My smelling me going off the charts. <laughs> Coffee memories. Coffee memories. Pheromones. The pack is going to smell her. The pack is going to smell her, and then they're all going to fight. I like that he's imagining this doomsday scenario based on the premise that she needs to have sex, and she's going to go to town to find it. My God. 
Yeah, because she's, I mean, I guess there is a little bit of that feminism. She's like, well, I'm feeling the need. I'm going to go find it. Good for her. <laughs> she can have a one night stand if she wants. And he's like, you're going to regret that one night stand. Then she could write songs about it and make a ton of money like Taylor Swift. I mean, good job, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Why not? Awesome female power moves by her this week. I like that there was an interview question that was asking her if she ever thought about it, about the people that she wrote about. And she's like, not really. Yeah. I wrote about it and it's over. Yeah. I think it was just like a, a journaling experience for her. Yeah. And she knows how to put her emotions into lyrics and. Yeah. It's over. I mean, especially because red was what five years ago. 10 years 10 years ago okay yeah why would she really care it was 10 years ago right right she's dating somebody else now isn't she i don't really keep up married no she's not married oh there was some rumor but there's always some rumor well there's also the whole like gayler rumor that she's secretly gay okay I know. There are lots of rumors, is what I meant. I know. That's funny. That would she would have to be secretly gay. I know. Just be gay. Does it is it really are we still in a society where it has to be a secret? I don't know. Not for me, but maybe not for, for some me. people. It's not that she's Nashville anymore, anyways. Don't she live in Nashville? I thought she was there. She, I mean, she started there. Okay. Uh, Swiss I have no fans, idea. Just send us an email. We're not going to research this afterwards, but if you would yeah. like to correct us, you can always find us at literarylaughing at gmail.com. <laughs> or we're on Instagram at the literary laughing. Mm-hmm. That's where you can find all the covers of these lovely books. Yes. yes. And see our first shirted male on the cover of a novel. First shirt. It's completely shirted. Some of them have had shirts. They're just not. Well, I suppose this guy from last week, he's wearing, what do you call that? Chain mail? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's completely shirted. He just undresses when they're beside the lake together. She just turned around and he's naked. Yeah. To be fair, he blinked and she took off her cloak and was naked. No, she went into the bush, got naked, and then was like, let me dance with you with my pregnant belly. Meanwhile, his mind is on meat, real meat, because it's Lent. I wish we had some of that lamb with the mint sauce. She's like, I'm literally naked, and you want lamb with mint sauce. We have cold salmon. It's fine. Yeah, I don't think that the thought process hit him just yet. Yeah, it's fine. That's fine. And then he smelled her scent, and his leopard came out. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, you want to choose? Yes. Do you have a number of pages for me, Amy? There's 366. <laughs> of course there are. Um, 
I choose three zero one. Okay. If it's a sex scene, I might just have to say beep. <laughs> beep. Beep. And then uh, she touched his beep and. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because this is literally the scene, like the, the page before the scene where we, uh, where you caught me going, oh my gosh, where you saw my eyes. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. I'm so good at picking pages. I know. I mean, it's, it gets pretty intense pretty quick. Okay. <clears throat> he caught, okay, I'm going to start reading that now. Please read, Amy. Yeah, thank you. We realize we don't do that good enough for our dear listeners, so we're trying to mark when we start reading. Okay. He caught her hand and tugged her closer. Will you be happy with me, Bajou? Over time, as we get older and our lives settle down, will that be enough? For the first time, he didn't sound as confident as he always seemed. Yes, I'll be happy with a quiet life, but I seriously doubt that's going to happen for a very long time. His cocky grin emerged. I plan on keeping you pregnant, surrounded by seven boys, all as difficult as I am. Thanks, she risked a, risked a look under his arm at the group of hopefuls waiting by the door. They're not going to give up, Remy. You want to go out the back? We're not supposed to, but I don't think the owner will mind. I know the way. I've been in the back with Arnaud a few times, and I did happen to notice this dark closet that seemed just the right size. He oh, groaned. God. Don't tell me that. He took her hand, turned her, and they fled through the back, winding between the shelves and cupboards and cupboards and tables to the back door, laughing like two small guilty children. He pulled her out into the night and caught her by the nape of the neck, kissing her over and over. Get into my car fast or we're not going to have that long, slow session of making love, I promised, Remy advised. <laughs> she, <laughs> she laughed softly, in no way intimidated. That's not much of a threat, Remy, she told him, hiking up the hem of her gown with one hand and hurrying as fast as she could in her high heels. I happen to know you have stamina. I can have my cake and eat it too. He yanked open the car door for her. What does that mean? His voice had dropped an octave, making her shiver with anticipation. She waited until he'd come around to the driver's side and had started the car. It means I'm, going, I'm good at removing my clothes in your car. And I think we can make it as far as the bayou road before I start removing your clothes. If you don't want to drive into the bayou, and I don't recommend it having been there once myself, I think you'll pull over. We can do it slow and easy when we get home. He let out his breath and drove as fast as he could without putting them in danger. She reached under her arm and unzipped the gown slowly. He glanced sideways and caught the side of her, the side of her beep. She, sorry, just kidding. I had to do it. The side of her breast. <laughs> she slipped the long sleeves off her arms. The last traffic light before they left the city went red. Bijou had her gown over the tops of her breasts. 
and then they just keep going. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of stuff happening. But that one's only about three pages. Only. Only three. And are they driving the car while they're messing around? Because that's kind of irresponsible. Well, see, that's why she said, you can mess with me first in the car while you're driving. <laughs> and then... Still not safe. Yeah, apparently. No. Maybe his leopard will take over one of those tasks. I guess maybe. Why don't they just have sex in the car? If they're that uh, desperate. Uh, let me see if they have sex. I bet they do. Oh, they get outside of the car. So it looks like they have sex on the car. Ew. What? He says, you have your clothes on. She pointed out when he lifted her to walk around the car. I'm all sticky. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. It's an order. I want my hot chocolate to come up. Yeah. Then I'll be all sticky. (laughs) I'm all sticky. He kissed her hard. I like you sticky. Ew. Ew. I hate sticky things. That makes it worse. Think of all the dirt and like crumbs from their car gravel just sticking to them. Ooh. I regret my choice. <laughs> I did. That wasn't that. that was a couple of pages later. But I just oh. like there's it's so weird when we pick a page and then you just keep looking and then there's just these weird parts that come after that I just have to read. I, I, could, I couldn't leave it alone. All right. No more. No more from that section. But I, 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 I moved to the last page. Okay. Okay. Read yeah. us the last page, Amy. She was sticky. I'm just kidding. He was looking at her like a lollipop. You're so sticky. She was really sticky. The end. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay, what do you think the last page is about? They're going to get in the car mm-hmm. and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And she just lets her leopard come out at him. And the car? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she just mauls him (laughs) while they're driving. I mean, apparently it's okay. 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 So we can't just run away from our wedding celebration. She protested, but she didn't stop moving. Remy tugged at her hand. I know you're especially good at undressing blue. Try doing it on the run. Wow. (laughs) Where are they running to? Her car. His jacket and tie went floating behind him. Oh my God, you're serious, Bijou exclaimed, caught somewhere between laughter and shock. I'm in a wedding dress. His hand tore at the pins in her hair, even as he dragged her through the trees toward the swamp. And it's damn beautiful, but I personally like you with no clothes on. And so do our leopards. Come on, Blue, let's be bad. (laughs) They're like a million buttons. He stopped running. Is that a no? Are you kidding me? Undo them right now, Remy, and hurry up about it. 
I'm madly crazy in love with you, he admitted, his hands eagerly slipping small pearl buttons out of their loops. I know, she said, and waited for her wedding gown to fall to the ground. <laughs> the end? The end. Well, they're probably running to the car. They're letting their leopards out. So they're running to the bayou. Bayou. They're going to let their leopards come out to eat an alligator. Yeah. There was one part where they're swimming in the bayou, and I was like, where are the alligators? Are there always alligators in the bayou, or... Who sw- does anybody swim in the bayou? I don't... Maybe if they're a leopard? People just canoed in the bayou. They were swimming in the bayou, which doesn't sound safe. But there are no leopards in the Americas, so what? where did they come from? I don't know. You need to read the other books, Amy, and let me know. That's yeah, your assignment. I, that's my assignment. Okay, that's my that's your homework. holiday assignment. My homework. Yes. Thanksgiving, your family asks what you're doing. Reading my leopard novels. Mm-hmm. Paranormal romance. Paranormal romance. I mean, there is a lot of romance in this. Are they scary? Yes. Yes, they're very scary. I didn't even, like, the part that I was like, oh, wait, he's a detective. There has to be a lot of detective scenes in here. Oh, yeah, you did say it was supposed to be a mystery. Mm-hmm. Maybe the mystery is, where is the mystery? I did find one where they found, like, a dead body hanging from a tree and stuff like that, but I couldn't, and I don't know if it was just the luck of the draw in this book where I just kept on finding sex scene. Oh, look, it's another sex scene. Oh, wait, here you go. Maybe that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's um, that's my shifter novel that I discovered at Half Price Books. Yay! <laughs> wow! Wow! I mean, I applaud. That's that's a good find, <laughs> and it definitely should be a white elephant gift. Tell your partner to take you to one of his friends' white elephant parties, maybe his office. White elephant party. <laughs> Just slip that in. Just slip it in. <laughs> Just slip it in there. And hope the person. <laughs> Gosh, it sounds so wrong after reading. Oh, no. <laughs> hope they don't know it's from you because you don't want them to read it and think oh, of you. And it becomes, it's another novel where it becomes very explicit. And I can see how she had 11 children. She must have had a very healthy sex life. That lady wrote sex scenes. Like, she writes them. This is a mission, and I will complete this mission. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Imagine, like, you have, like, I mean, because some of them probably grew up, so she had, like, five kids running around her, and she's like, and then her breast. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh. And then you get older and you read them and you think about your mom writing them. And... I bet her grandchildren and her children are like, we can't read this. Yeah. I bet she must publish under a different name, though. I don't know. I think it might be her real name. 
Where do y'all think this money comes from? Apples? It paid for probably plenty of college education, so they shouldn't complain. And she's won awards, and she's a best-selling author, so. Yeah. She probably has a secret little office behind the little fake wall of books. Mm Mm-hmm. Where would mommy go? (laughs) She went to go write the next novel to pay for your education. (laughs) They go to the zoo. She's getting ideas for her next series of books. (laughs) The rhinos. No, rhinos. Rhinos are particularly violent violent with sex. Rhinos like to ram things over and over again. Because they're so horny. <laughs> so horny. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're just, I guess that's going to be one of our merch, first merch items will be our first romance novel that people can buy that we wrote. <laughs> Yeah. The look on your face is that you feel dirty, even the thought of writing one. I'm just thinking about animal sex and trying to make it, like, sexy for humans. It's just not sexy at all for me, but that's okay. I mean... Well, the the animal sex scene, I think, was a lot shorter than the human sex scene. It was... (laughs) It was the animal sex scene from what I could tell. It's then like him stalking her and her being like, leave me alone. And he's like, I'll give you some distance. And then she's like, oh, wait, I don't know. I'm in heat. And then, okay, it's fine. Type of thing. Which is kind of weird because when an animal's in heat, they're ovulating. So that means that they're trying to get pregnant. Mm hmm. I think that's what happened in her human form, but then when she turned to a leopard, she also became very defensive. Mm. Her female was different. Yeah, it's kind of like when the, like, you ever seen those videos of the ducks when the female duck is in heat and the male ducks are, like, going and she's like, I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. I changed my mind. Then they hold her down and have, like, duck feather sex it's, it's disturbing it's disturbing ducks can be disturbing but birds are disturbing that's what i learned that from was, my book huh birds are disturbing that's what i learned from my book birds are pretty cool i don't know i like birds but i play a board game that involves birds so yes oh did you see i want to try um what is it called i think it's called a zool i've never heard of that one it's you, I just read the back at Target, but I've forgotten most of it. But basically, I think you're building something and you have to have all these tiles, these mosaic tiles. Maybe it's mm-hmm. called mosaic. I thought it was called Azul, though. Hmm. Anyways, it looks really good. I don't know. I haven't played it. Nice. There's, we always end up going to Wingspan to play Wingspan, but then we've gotten some other ones, which are kind of like Catan. Oh, and with wingspan. So one's called terraforming Mars, which was really interesting. So it's you have to gain tiles to change Mars, but you're gaining points as you do that for hmm. like water tiles. But there's only so many water tiles, and when you hit a water tile, it changes the atmosphere. Oh, so, interesting. And you're gaining money doing different things, and um, you're also you're kind of like your own corporation and the corporation you can 
gain patents and the patents are worth points. But there's only so many turns and if somebody wants to win, they can just change the whole atmosphere before you get a patent out. So there's a lot of strategy to it. And so it's a little bit like a ton with, with birds. And so there's an individual game and a group game. It's interesting. Hmm. Uh-huh. Sounds interesting. Yeah. So we haven't played that one as much, but I think it's because it's funner to more than two people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You can play it at your white elephant party. Huh? That's a good idea. You should just have a white elephant party and then you can just have this gift already under the tree. And as people arrive, you're so obsessed about this white elephant party. I really want someone to get this book with like some leopard underwear. (laughs) And the part that you're like, you should have a white elephant party. And I'm like, that's such deep cleaning. And be yeah. And you have to stay social. Mm-hmm. But on the positive side, you get to see people and you don't have to drive anywhere. And just have enough alcohol that they won't remember the dirt in your house later on. Yeah. It's okay. But I mean, I have, don't even have my Christmas tree ready to go up yet. <laughs> I wait till after Thanksgiving. Yes. Good. Mm-hmm. We usually decorate ours kind of around Thanksgiving, like maybe that weekend or yeah. Like that. That's what I was planning to do because we get back Saturday, so maybe on Sunday I put up the Christmas tree. Okay, something like that. Don't wait too late. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds good. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Then another episode of literary laughing. Yes. Um. Send us books that you find interesting or just, uh, you don't have to actually send us the books. Just send us excerpts. We yes. would love to read them. We'd love to just look at a little screenshot of <laughs> books that you find hilarious. Mm-hmm. Parts and books. And we would love to share them. We'll share them on our Instagram. Just let yeah. us know who the author is, the book name. So that way we can always make sure to give the author credit because yes. it's super important to us. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, agreed. 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 Yeah. So, um, you can do it this week. <laughs> Send us out, Lara. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Go read a book.